You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. This is Jermaine Johnson, and you're listening to Player Profiling. live and we're here talking everything nfl draft we're what seven eight days out from the nfl draft in las vegas we boots on the ground down there but tonight we're going to go through some draft props we're going to go through the adp differences over the last six months talk about the transfer portal all those fun things but first go over to prediction strike use that promo code underworld spend twenty dollars get yourself a free player stock on predictionstrike.com download the app in the app store on google play Go to predictionstrike.com today. Use that promo code UNDERWORLD for a free share of any player. But tonight, let's get started. Andy, my man, go follow him on Twitter, at FFDataKing. What do you got going tonight, Andy? How you doing? Doing good, Cody. I'm excited to talk some uh, NFL draft props with you and look at some of these ADP movers. It's it's funny looking back at like November and December to see where folks were being taken at. And, and then looking at it now and being like, wow, I can't believe that guy was taken so far ahead. Or, wow, that dude was being way overdrafted, you know, um, before the combine comes out. It just kind of shows you that everything that happens that players do or don't do between the end of the season and now, it just, it all plays a, fa- it all plays a factor in their, their draft capital. It's crazy to look back on, we have these ADPs up from September, and you see Sam Howell who's now looked at as a second-round pick. You see Tariq Castro-Fields, who's now looked at as a second-round pick. You see uh, DeMarvin Leal, uh, who's, who's now looked at as a late first, early second-round pick. Brandon Smith, who's a second, third-round pick. Uh, you know Who else is on here? Boye Mafe has fallen down a little bit. Spencer Rattler's not even in this draft anymore, but we do have one consistent piece here, and that's Kayvon Thibodeau staying in the top ten. Uh, it just really shows you uh, the differences, I guess you could say, um, an expectation. The Rattler thing obviously was the biggest conversation. It was Rattler, it was Howell coming in, and the big changes come from there. You have Pickett going to the top 10. Even Ahmad Gardner, I don't see him in the top 20 from last year, from entering the season, I should say. I, and I think that's part of the that's part of the allure for like guys that come from those small schools that kind of overperform one year, that pop out of nowhere. It, you know, with Cincinnati, no one thought they were – I mean, they were really good last year, but to think they were going to make the playoff this year and, and cause as much noise as they did, I mean, shoot, good for him, man. Who's the biggest faller from these ADPs that we're looking at back here in September? Rattler, you know, not entering the class, or Weidemeyer being projected 23rd overall in these early mocks to now being expected to be like a 7th or undrafted player running that five plus 40 yard dash who, who's a biggest faller for you Weidemeyer or Rattler or is there another guy on here 
Yeah, so I would say my first thought would have been Rattler, right? Because everyone thought everyone had like Heisman hopes for him coming into the season, and then to be um, beaten out for the position, and then to have to transfer outside of your outside of Oklahoma somewhere else to get playing time because you know that there's more guys coming up from behind you. And honestly, he didn't look that that good. I mean, playing with Oklahoma and. I don't think he'll look that good playing at South Carolina. And I know South Carolina, they've done a fantastic job in the transfer portal. Recruiting is up a little bit more than it normally is. Um, but you the expectations for him were so high that I think when you look at these followers, it's expectation versus where they're at today. Um, Sam Howell's another one that – can you explain his drop in ADP? I can't explain it other than the fact that what we've already talked about many times before is – the prospects that were there, obviously Diami, Daz Newsom, the running backs leaving and then him falling. Like Even throughout this process, um, December, January, he still had conversations with Carolina. He has still had conversations with Carolina. And I think through the whole process, it's been Sam Howell or Matt Corral uh, to Carolina. I still think he should be considered a first-round pick. The number six overall thing at the start of the season maybe was a little high but at that time if at that point in time if you look it was Spencer Rattler it was Sam Howell Phil Dracovic was on here at top 15 pick Tyler Shaw 15th pick Malik Willis was 17 Keaton Slovis was on here like Howell was clear-cut number one as far as like the overall talent and arm strength goes at the beginning of the season why did he fall so far the allure for Malik Willis the allure for Kenny Pickett the winning of Desmond Ritter, things like that, I think is what made him fall. But again, doesn't make any sense. I will say I just saw Aiden Hutchinson here at 27.8 at the beginning of the season, just behind JT Daniels, who we just talked about <laughs> last week. So Aiden Hutchinson jumped from 27.8 to now being the leader in the house, 1.5. Uh, obviously, is the clear, almost the clear number one. There's been some Trayvon Walker talks over the last uh, week and a half. Brees Hall was a projected first-round pick, 29th. Isaiah Spiller, 26th. I think that's just because of uh, how early on in the process we were at. People didn't actually know how, how strong of a, of a prospect Brees or Spiller were, and they were I don't know what really they're expecting other than, you know, it's the NFL and the running backs they've kind of adjusted to. So some interesting ADPs, I think, a lot. It's funny seeing some of these guys that either went back to school or have fallen, like a Justin Ross from 21. It makes you really want to, like, I am I know we're right in the heart of the process. We're seven days out, but I'm looking forward to, like, the fall or, or after this draft where I can start looking at next year's class and seeing kind of where these ADPs fall for next year's class, and then you can come back and look at those. Like, this is this is a fun experiment to be like, look at all these quarterbacks, Phil Dracovic, Tyler Shaw, uh, Keaton Slovis, JT Daniels. Like, No. Like, that's where we were at in this process last year. And now, like, remember we talked about Ray last week or two weeks ago, but, like, Will Levis. Uh, Rattler's going to be in here, you know, as probably a third or fourth round predic- prediction at this point in the process. It's going to be fun to go back and look at these. But Who's a big who's a big riser from, from this list that you're seeing here? Give us, give us two or three risers that – give us two risers that you expected to see rise as far as they have based on – you know, the time frame and what's transitioned over there, right? You had a good combine or good end of season. And who's – give us one guy that surprised you how far they jumped up. Uh, Ahmad Gardner went from 28 to 5. Uh, it was pretty clear that he was the guy as soon as the season started this year. 
Uh, the other one was uh, Jermaine Johnson. Um, he jumped up into the top 10, top 15 spot right there. Akeem Aquanu, Akeem Aquanu from North Carolina State, went from 15 to 5. Um, really, really, it's just watching these guys fall. Like, there's the list just keeps going of guys that have fallen out. Uh, Maja Sanders came, comes in light to the combine going through the whole process. Uh, all these receivers uh, seem to stay here. Trevon Walker was 26th coming into the year. Drake Jackson, uh, I think I had him going off in like the third or fourth round. He was looked at as a top 15 pick when the process started. Boye Mafe um, has picked up steam over the last few weeks. Um, he had a good senior bowl, but he picked up steam over the last few weeks. Uh, he was a top 10 pick. Tariq Castro-Fields, like I said, is now looked at as like a third-round pick. He went. He was getting mocked eighth overall. Like That's, that's a crazy. Pretty, pretty substantial fall as well. Yeah, huge fall. Okay, and then to that end then, Better nickname for a player, Ikimakwano's nickname, the Pancake King, or Amon Gardner's nickname, Sauce Gardner. Which one do you like more? Sauce, 100% Sauce. Also, oh, yeah. I saw uh, Ikwanu, his real, na- his real name was uh, Ikim or Ikim or Icky. I can't remember which one it is, but he was named after Icky Woods. Uh, from the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals, which I thought was just hysterical. That's awesome. Uh, you remember, remember that icky shuffle on the icky the shuffle Bengals on them. Back yeah. in the angle, the Bengals were good. Let's jump into the, the transfer portal though, quick before we get into the rest of this NFL draft conversation. We had uh, some pretty big movement uh, over the last you know twenty four to thirty six hours uh, via the transfer portal. I think we mentioned last week Jai Hall entered the transfer portal, but. We weren't sure if he was going to sign quickly or if he was going to sign, you know, when the season comes around. Ajayi Hall goes to Texas, who we just talked about was is already loaded mm-hmm. at the receiver position, at the tight end position, at the quarterback, at the running back position. We already had these conversations with Alex a few weeks ago, even talked about it with Ray. Is Texas going to lose a single football game in 2022? Like, I don't know if it's even – like, Xavier Worthy was already looked at as being one of the most underrated guys, going a top-five Debbie receiver. Ajayi Hall's a top-five Debbie receiver. Isaiah Nair comes over. They still got Jordan Whittington. Jatavian Sanders is, is, is progressing. Jaleel Billingsley might just never be a thing. Yeah. And then you got the running back, and you got Hudson Card dropping dimes in practice already. Quint, like – what do you think about this whole process? What do you think about uh, Ajayi Hall going to Texas? Because he looked damn good in those in those pictures he was taking. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Texas kills it in the recruiting pictures for sure. Their their stadium, they, like they do, their stadium is iconic. The photography department there, second to none. I mean, but dude, like Texas is Texas. Can we just get over? Like they could have Marshall Falk, Kurt Warner. You know, you could have the greatest team assembled on paper. The 2001 Miami Hurricanes at Texas in 2022, they go 9-3, right? It, it, it just – they're not back. I, I don't know how many times – like, if I see the line comes out tomorrow for future of Texas win totals set at 10.5, are you taking the over or the under? That's a good number. I'm, I'm, I'm good at this shit, man. I tell you, we asked Alex back before Jai Hall transferred, right, like off off air, like, hey, eight and a half comes out. What are you going with? And if now with Jai Hall, people are feeling themselves in Texas right now. They're starting to watch the practice film, right? The if Rose it was and- nine and a half, if it was nine and a half, I'd feel better. Oh, that's why you got to set it at ten and a half. 
You taking the over? Or you taking the under? Is Texas back or no? Or horns down, under. baby. There it is. Horns down. There it is. Horns That's down. the answer. But, but, and the problem, I'm going to be honest with you, what I think the problem is, I think they're going to end up playing Hudson Card, and then there might end up being a Spencer Rattler type situation. Here, Here's my worry, right? We haven't seen Quinn Ewers play a down of football yet in college. You don't need to, bro. He's Kyrie Irving of football. Uh, we said the same thing about Tate Martell. Oh my god. We said the same thing about Tate Martell. I'm just Oh my god. I'm just god, it's bro. the meme of the it's the meme of the Drewski going like this. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We saw Tate we saw we <laughs> could Quinn Ubers be the oh next Tate Martell? Tate Tate and Martell. I'm just, I'm not it's it's gotta be said. Someone needs to say it into existence because Quinn Ewers has made millions of dollars already, supposedly, off the NAL deals from Ohio State before transferring. And he hasn't played a down of football yet. Someone else that we knew didn't play down of football, got all the notoriety in the world. And before he retired from football permanently, had two years of eligibility left after being in college for like 15 years. So I'm just... I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Bro, bro, two-time Big Ten champion, Rose Bowl champion, Cotton Bowl champion, Gatorade Football Player of the Year, Tate Martell. <laughs> I mean, undefeated in starts, right? Never lost. Undefeated. Never, never, never lost. lost. The goat. The goat. What, so, what, what does Lavar Ball say? Never lost. Never lost. Exactly. So, I don't think Quinn Ewers is Tate Martell, and if he is, I'm going to be one depressed SOB. But that would mean that Hudson Card is the dude, and really it doesn't matter who the quarterback is for Texas because look at the talent around him. Xavier Worthy, Nair, Hall, Bijan Robinson, Jatavian Sanders. Like If you can't excel with that and the big recruiting class that they had on the offensive line, I don't care if your defense gives up 40 points a game. You better be scoring 50 points a game. Texas, do they win 10.5 games? I'm going horns down on that, but are they back? I'm going horns up. I think they're going to be competing for a uh, conference title in, in 2022. Who who catches them from the Big 12? Like who do they who do they lose, who do they slip up and lose to in the Big 12? Iowa State. Okay. They play Iowa State this year. Well, yeah, they play Iowa State this year. I don't know if they play. I can't remember if they play at Iowa State or or, or if they're playing. Because uh, because I think all the all the Texas teams kind of took a step back. Oklahoma State will be a tough one as always. They just always are. Uh, I would say between Iowa State and Oklahoma State are the two teams that could hold them. I mean, I mean, West Virginia is still in the Big Twelve. Like, yeah. Hey, we got J T. Daniels out here. You know, bringing the Mountaineers back to the Midwest. They're gonna be start. You know. Speak, I don't. Speak. I don't know if you can bet on Oklahoma. Like, like. I don't think Oklahoma Baylor are going to be top ten teams this year. Okay. Yeah, with Brett Venables coming in. Yeah, I, mean, okay. I think it's going to take a little bit of time. There's just so much turnover there. Like, if, Vener- if Venables turns Oklahoma into a top ten team, like continually, this year, coach of the year, hundred percent, because it's just the, the turnover and everything that's went on in Oklahoma over the last five months. Like. Okay. Okay. Horns down. Horns. Horns up. But horns down on the total of ten and a half. If that's what happens. So let's talk a little bit about the NFL draft. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna pop up my. I just finished round seven, so I got a seven round NFL mock draft on PlayerProfiler.com. You can go find that in the article section. Top three hundred is also over there. 
I just shared with you my seven rounds team by team breakdown. Uh, give me a little, you know, give me some thoughts on some of these picks here. Um, I put some running backs in some spicy situations. I have Isaiah Spiller as the first running back out the board. I've had to explain that at a couple different podcasts this week uh, with Ray on Monday. It was it was a pretty fun conversation because he opened up the mock the, for the first time live, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" He, he like lost his he lost his <laughs> shit because Isaiah Spiller was the first running back. I had him going off at sixty to Tampa Bay, and to preface this uh, for everyone listening, I have him going off the board at sixty via this process that it's going to be a tough to actually find the landing spot for the first couple running backs off the board. Everyone wants to point to Buffalo. Everybody wants to point to Tampa. But I think Buffalo's process is too smart to spend first or second round draft capital on a running back. I think you look at Zamir White in the third if he falls to them. I think you look even later for guys like that. They're going to fill in for, for Zach Moss. They, they love Devin Singletary. Duke Johnson's there. Zach Moss is still on contract. I think the process would be to bring a third or fourth round draft pick in to compete and take Zach Moss's job. My thought on Isaiah Spiller being the first running back off the board at pick 60 is, like I said, I don't know if there's a team that really fits Brees Hall above them. And the process we've seen from Tampa over the last few years, bringing in Ronald Jones, who's a sub-athlete in the second round. They got Fournette for two more years. Keyshawn Vaughn really hasn't done the damn thing like they expected. Do they bring in Isaiah Spiller, who we know is a very, very competent pass catcher, um, a sub-athlete like Vaughn and like Ronald Jones, and they kind of groom him under Fournette for a season? Again, he's not even 21 years old yet. Uh, something we talked about with Ray is just we think his progression needs to happen uh, from a maturity standpoint. He's a good player, but his maturity's not there. His athleticism is not there. Give him a year in Tampa Bay with Brady, with Fournette. I honestly like that spot, but I think the process would be wrong doing it. Um, what do you think about Isaiah Spiller to Tampa Bay as the first running back off the board? And with that, we're talking, we can also, so get your response there, and then I'll give you the odds on what he is for being the first running back off the board. What do you think about Isaiah Spiller in Tampa? Trying to picture him, man, it just seems weird. I, I, I just, I know Ronald Jones isn't there anymore, but by taking Isaiah Spiller there, they'd have to start Isaiah Spiller over Keyshawn Vaughn, right? I mean, they, they would, they'd have to, right? I mean, it, ha- it would have to be, he'd, be, he'd come in, number two or the starter running back, right? That would be the process. The process would be obviously Fournette number one, knowing that Fournette is aging and, you know, he's had problems with his ankles and, and hamstrings and stuff before. You bring in Isaiah Spiller to compete with Vaughn for number two. You still have the, the Gio Bernard as your, you know, your rain man back there. And, and you just make, you hope that Vaughn and Spiller elevate each other and that kind of becomes your duo for the foreseeable future and you can cut Gio before the the season even starts I, th- I think that would be the the goal in mind uh, i had them taking linderbaum at 27 and then spiller at, at 60 um i think linderbaum in the offensive line would be a fantastic grab but okay so cody fill, fill me in on this part right of the mock draft process what because like to, to normal people like me or the folks that are sitting at home i imagine you have a large um, like jackpot ball machine that you're going through pick by pick and you've got numbers associated with players and you're saying, okay, uh, pick number one. Okay, no, that's not the right one. You throw that one out. You know, you grab another one. What What does the process look like and what makes you change it throughout the different variations of the mock draft that you're doing? I, I've never asked you this before and I'm super curious. 
So the process of doing the mocks, um, obviously, uh, this is variation six. Yeah. And some people might ask that question. I haven't been asked it very much. So it's a good question. Why does things change as much? And there's, you know, probably a dozen or, or 15 picks that did not change, uh, specifically in the top 60, uh, because I'm those are picks that I'm very confident in and, and like. Other things that kind of have something to do with it, like the, the Mach 5 I had a trade with Seattle up to two to take Malik. This one I did not have a trade, so obviously that shifts things a little bit as far as where guys fall and go off the board. Malik still fell to nine in this mock. Akima Kwanu going two to Detroit uh, as a process play, uh, seeing how they build their team. If they don't trade back, I think that's a very um, just a positive EV selection from Detroit to take Akima Kwanu, pair him with Ragnow and Penny Sewell, and whoever your quarterback is, they ain't never going to get touched for the next 10, 15 years ever. Uh, com- coming from that side of the, and I see a lot of people like on Twitter hating that process of a Kwanu there. Um, but Quentin Nelson goes top five. Uh, there's been like three or four guards go top five, top six over the last few years. So it's not a bad pick. Yeah. Uh, and he has the ability to move out to tackle uh, as the process goes on. But the process, I guess of overall in here, seeing how guys fall, like mock five. Oh, I had uh, no running backs going off until round three. I think I had Kenneth Walker at the last pick of round two. And that is just a lot to do with fit. Um, interviews, connections, visits, uh, athleticism, traits. A lot of it has to do with traits and how they fit in with the teams. Um, I have this big board of – it's a big Excel sheet with the last, like, nine years of draft picks uh, from every GM in the first four rounds. It kind of shows you um, where they trade, when they trade, when they select this position, and, and just shows you some tendencies. I call it a tendency chart. Uh, that's one thing that goes into it. Another thing is just really paying attention to the visits, paying attention to um, people. If, if you read too much into Twitter, you'll see, uh, you know, oh, uh, you know, Romeo Dubs didn't visit with Detroit, so that means Detroit doesn't like Romeo Dubs. This is just hypothetical. Sure, yeah. Yeah, but guess what? Romeo Dubs played for Detroit at the Senior Bowl. Right, yeah. So when, when, when this is a hypothetical, you can put any player's name you want into Dubs' name or Detroit or the Jets. Mm-hmm. When guys go to the senior bowl and work with them, like Detroit maybe didn't look at any quarterbacks through the whole process. I think they just might have brought Malik in this past week. But they also got to see all six out of these seven quarterbacks at the senior bowl, and they sat down with them for an entire week, and they probably got everything they needed out of them. And if they didn't get everything from them then, they probably could have called them on the phone. So they didn't actually need to, to go to their pro days, to go here. That's why... I think they had like a, a super high up executive just go and watch Liberty Pro Day. There was no coaching because the coaches saw all these quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl. And that goes through all the positions, right? You see, uh, you know, and the Pro Day thing is another tough one that uh, just paying attention to coaches that attend Pro Days. That's why when I went to the Liberty one, I, I tracked as much as possible in tweets uh, for myself and for anybody else that cared. Uh, different coaches that were there, like there's yeah. a, this a linebacker coach. Um, from from the Dallas Cowboys that's at the Liberty Pro Day, a linebacker coach. Well, there's two pretty athletic linebackers that play for Liberty. Mm-hmm. And if the linebacker coach is there, you put those you connect those dots to say Detroit's looking for or Dallas is looking for a linebacker. There's a couple athletic ones here, so it kind of shows you the, the body types that they're looking at, the players that they're looking at, and that's just kind of how how I mold everything together. This mock draft, I released it in three parts because that's how much time and dedication I want to put into things like this because I think it's important, especially when you're putting out a seven-round mock, to hit on the players um, right. to have at least a, a decent idea because I want to I want to give people a good thought process when they look at this and be like, 
damn, Pierre Strong at pick 135 does make sense to Kansas City. I want you to I want you to see like them taking two receivers, them both not being at pick 29 and 30. Maybe it's Jahan Dotson at 29 and Avalish Jones at like 94. Uh, because that's something that they they kind of pride themselves on is that the special teams aspect, the speed aspect, and they don't really care about the age. McCole Hardman comes in there, right? You know, they bring in it like just different things like that where you're molding what they've done in the past, what they can do in the future, and just different things like that. It's kind of a long-winded answer, but that's kind of the process behind it. Okay, so it's like a Cody's uh, data, data-driven choose-your-own-adventure for the yeah, and NFL that's draft. Another thing I, I want to mention I've never mentioned before is that, like, I, I love how Peter Schrager on their – I don't love this. This is a, you know, backwards compliment. I love how on his show uh, – he releases his mock one Oh, like a week ago. Right. And, uh, the other doofus that he works with, he's like this right here. This is the mock. This is the mock that you want. This is the mock with the actual things that are going to happen. This is the one that Peter knows. He talks to everybody. This is the one. And then, and then Peter changes the entire mock four days later. And he's like, this is the mock that Peter talks to all these coaches and he finds out the results and he does it. This is not his opinion. This is not what he wants them to do or he thinks they're going to do. This is what they're going to do. And I'm like, but no, because that's literally the problem with the mock draft uh, sphere. You you think about like fantasy Twitter, draft Twitter. There's like a mock draft Twitter where there's like people that just do mocks. And I would say 80% of them do mocks how they would draft. So it's like, Oh, Jack Cohn goes off the board at 40 because I think Jack Cohn's the best quarterback in the class. <laughs> That's not real shit, right? Like, I saw a mock uh, get released this morning from Barstool. They had Drake London going two to Detroit. There's never been a single inkling from anybody in the history of mocks in 2022 that says Drake London's going two. This guy's just making shit up or doing it. That's the wrong process. The right process yeah. is if you follow guys like Josh Norris, Evan Silva, there's a whole boatload of guys that are very tight-knit that read into all the props. They talk to certain sources. They read into things similar to how I do. And that's you know that's why Josh had the, the most um, accurate mock of all time last year. Uh, and that's the first-round grading. But that's, I think, where people fail in the process is that they're working on these mocks. They're like, this is what they're going to do. And it's like... You have no research to back that up. You just have that based on your rankings or how you think the team should or will or you're a fan type of deal. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, man. And 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 so kind of transitioning from that, let's make some let's make some people some money. Let's do it. Let's we talk just talked about Isaiah Spiller go, going off the board first, like I mentioned. Running back, running back odds. First running back drafted, Brees Hall, minus 225, Kenneth Walker, plus 150, Isaiah Spiller, plus 900. We're on Caesar Sportsbook, by the way, for everyone listening. Caesar Sportsbook, go check them out right now. We're up to something. Brees Hall, minus 225, Kenneth Walker, plus 150, Isaiah Spiller, plus 900. Then a big drop off to Brian Robinson, Kyron, Damian Pierce at plus 2,500, Tyler Algier, plus 4,000, James Cook, plus 4,000. Then this 6,000 range is interesting. Is Amir White and Rashad White. Now, I talked about it last week on the Sonic Truth. I got misquoted by our social media team. Said that <laughs> I said that Zamir White was going to be the first running back off the board. I did not say that. That was a quote from the Athletics show from a GM that was a former Jaguars and Saints GM that said Zamir White and James Cook would be drafted higher than people expect 
throughout the process because they fit the NFL mold a lot better than a guy like Brees or Spiller or Walker do. That's why I said that. And now you look at the odds here, and Zamir is the 13th, 13th best odds to, to be the first running back drafted, plus 6,000. James Cook, plus 4,000, another guy that he was voting for. And then I think the top of the list, obviously, is Hall, Walker, Spiller. Would you sprinkle on any of these running backs? Yeah, I think I would probably sprinkle a little bit on Zamir, right? He's got the look of an NFL running back. He's big. He's bruising. Um, you know, the NFL always needs guys to run into linemen and fall down. So I, I think he's a guy you could probably put some money on. And I'm not against your take on Isaiah Spiller being the first running back drafted because I'm looking at it here, right? Brees Hall minus 225. At those odds, what that tells me is that this is this is heavily influenced by fantasy football guys picking picking Brees Hall to go off the board as opposed to guys that are dialed in with the mock drafts. Because I haven't heard anybody I haven't heard anybody credible talk about Brees Hall being the first running back off the board at all. It's never been the conversation. And, and clean me up, Chet, if you're out there uh, listening. Let me know if there's a mock out there that has Brees Hall going off the board from a credible source. I'd love to see what the rest of the board looks like. But, yeah, I would say Isaiah Spiller, um, Zamir White are probably my, my two picks too. That's exactly where I was going with that because I think the sprinkle that you can make on a Zamir White at plus 6,000 winning, especially you have a strong uh, Rashad White and Algier, a Pierce, a Kyron Williams in front of him. I think the sprinkle, you know, couple bucks a couple bucks is all i'm doing on the zamir white thing uh isaiah spiller is the one i feel a little bit better at even if you look at the last few years the running backs that have went off the board first last year was Najee. travis Etienne was the next pick i think that was a pretty clear-cut season um clyde edwards hilaire obviously was a surprise pick in 2020 he went off at 32 then swift then taylor at 41 and we all thought taylor was taylor's kind of the the breeze the breeze of this class is kind of what taylor was uh, right, and, and it sure feels like uh, Clyde is the comparison to to Spiller. If we're comparing classes, Josh Jacobs the year before that, um, he he was a a guy that played with Damian Harris that season. He goes at the board first. That wasn't exactly the the clear cut guy when we had uh, Daryl Henderson, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders. That was a very controversial class. Obviously, you had Saquon Barkley, but you also had Rashad Penny, Sony Michelle as the next two guys off goes off in that class. There's some variabilities in inside these 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 war rooms, where maybe not everyone's on the same page about Breeze and Kenneth Walker as the fantasy community is because we believe in fantasy. You know, Kenneth Walker can be Nick Chubb and Breeze Hall can be Saquon Barkley. Yeah, but if the NFL doesn't want that, the NFL wants a running back. And I had notes down, but they the way they processed it was ten years ago the NFL wanted guys that could run the ball. They could catch the ball and they could pass block, and it's reversed now. Uh, the, the last three, four seasons to be, they want number one a guy that can pass block, number two a guy that can catch, and number three a guy that can run the ball. So it's completely flipped. And when you look at a guy like Kenneth Walker, what's he number one at? Run the ball. So he's more of a 2010 running back uh, than he is a 2022 running back. And Isaiah Spiller fits the mold where pass blocking, pass catching, Brees Hall pass blocking, he can catch. That molds back James Cook, 
Again, James Cook, pass catching, pass blocking. That's why that makes a little bit more sense. So the guy, I guess, I think we're on the same page here about Zamir and Spiller being the two sprinkles. Is there anything else on this uh, Caesar Sportsbook? Go check them out. Um, anything else on here that, that catches your eye as far as these props go for the NFL draft? Yeah, I'd say so along the same lines as first running back drafted. I'm looking at uh, first wide receiver drafted, right? So – the odds odds pan out like this: Garrett Wilson plus 135, Drake London plus 140, Jamo at plus 300, and Burks at plus 1200. Alave 2000, and then it jumps up to 5000 for Dotson and so on and so forth. You know the stand in me wants to take Traylon Burks at plus 1200. I just I feel like it's just, it's a huge huge thing there. I, I just some of the back of my mind says that maybe Drake London slips. Jamo is hurt right now. The narrative around Wilson, maybe. I, I don't know what the narrative against Wilson would could be. But I could see Jerry Jones, if they're still there, right, drafting Burks first off the board if the other guys fall. Um, have you seen, in your latest mocks, have you seen Garrett Wilson going off the board before Drake London? Because I was surprised that those two guys were ahead of Jameson Williams. Yeah, that's been the common thing. Um, even Josh, Josh Norris was talking about Wilson going to the board at four. Whoa. Four to the Jets because they wanted to get their guy. And he's pretty well connected. And uh, Daniel Jeremiah was talking about the Jets going to do that at four. I don't think that's a great process. Obviously, doesn't make a lot of sense to go four at receiver, especially when you have two top ten picks. You would think you'd take the superior player, like an edge rusher, an offensive tackle, even a corner. I'd rather have a corner like Sauce Gardner. I'd rather have the Sauce Gardner prospect than one of these receivers when there's no Jamar Chase in this class, and I think that's the big difference. Saying Burks is going to go off the board first is a tougher sell for me just because we know how the NFL treats speed. We know the drama that's coming out with Burks over the last few weeks regarding his speed, regarding his 240-pound body weight. But guess what? I'm telling you what. Even if he did weigh 240 and he still hit 22 miles an hour, I don't care. That's impressive regardless any way you spin it. But when you're talking about the first receiver draft at the board, I think the one guy that I would put the money on, because I think Wilson and London are so tight in a lot of these conversations, the one guy that I would put the money on is Jamison because of the perceived speed. Because if he did run a 4-2, I think he would have ended up being the clear number one guy at the board. You look at the guys last year that went to the board first, Chase, Waddle, both 4-3 guys. You look at the year before that, Ruggs, 4-2 guy. Marquise Brown, 4-2 guy. Uh, DJ Moore was up in that area. I don't think he clipped 4-3. I think he was like a 4-4-1 guy. John Ross was a top 10 pick. Year after Wills Fuller, Corey Coleman, like the NFL loves the speed. And whether I just tweeted it an hour ago, somebody was tweeting and they said that Jamison Williams, I think it was McShay, McShay said that Jamison Williams was the closest thing to Tyreek Hill in this draft. And I tweeted back and I said, Kelvin Austin's the closest thing to Tyreek Hill in this draft. We've been talking about that one for like three months. And that's not even saying that again, like I remember I said this, I'm not going to say the name, but that's the closest guy to Tyreek Hill in this class in my opinion. And he's at Jameis Williams. I was like, that's an entirely different body type. That's a Kelvin Ridley slash Devontae Smith body type. That's not, that's not, if he, if, if, if Jameis and Williams tried to do what Tyreek Hill tries to do, the stop and goes and the speed accelerations, he would tear every tendon in his, both, his, well, the one he's already blown up. He'd, te- he'd tear them both. Like, that's just, yes, the speed. Okay. I get the speed, but uh, no, 
So my answer, though, would be Jameis Williams at plus 300 would be the sprinkle I take. He's got the third highest odds. Burks at plus 1,200 is very interesting. I am shocked that Chris Olave is at plus 2,000. Like I, I get the allure for the other guys on here, but Olave being disrespected to, to that level does shock me. What's what's the earliest he goes off the board? I mean, are we, could he be? He wouldn't be number four, right? I would. I haven't seen Olave earlier than that uh, Saints pick. I haven't seen him any earlier than the Saints pick. But but I've seen all these other guys. I've seen. Uh, I had Burks at the Eagles right there. I think that's probably the area he goes unless Dallas moves up for him. I think the three guys you got to focus on those: Jamison Drake and Garrett Wilson's being the first guys on the board. And to be honest with you, I think it's a very, very tight race, just dependent on what and who they need. I think London does not fall past Washington. I don't think Garrett Wilson gets past the second Jets pick. And I think Jamison is the dart, like we talked about before with Corral. I was not sure where Corral would go. Now I feel a little bit better. I think that's the guy that Carolina is looking at if they were to move down, something like that. But I think Jamison's is the, the kind of wild card that you could just see a team trade up for and just boom. And just grab it. Okay, so I'm, um, but so I'm seeing. So we, we talked about Garrett Wilson, we talked about Drake London, we talked about Jameson Williams, we touched on Burks, we talked about Alave. If I scroll down this page here, I'm seeing uh, total wide receivers taken in the first round under five and a half, plus two seventy five. You gotta hit. You gotta smash that, right? I mean. We don't think there's going to be six receivers taken in this first round, right? I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance because I think there's going to be a run. I think you're going to see Garrett Wilson go. Like I said, I don't think Garrett Wilson gets. So we got. Let's start checking out the board. Garrett Wilson's not getting past the Jets at ten. London's not getting past Washington at eleven. Jamison Williams is definitely not getting past the Saints. Chris Olave is not getting past the Packers. Burks is not. From what I've heard, and this is something I heard uh, about a week and a half ago, is not getting past the Dallas pick, period. That's five guys in the top 24. Then you're talking about, or that's so that's four guys in the top 24 uh, unless Olave goes at 22. If Olave does not go at 22, that's four guys. Olave goes to like the, the, Nets, the next Packers pick at 28. Um, then you have Kansas City with two picks. So we're five guys going into Kansas City. Does Kansas City take a receiver? That's the question. Does Tennessee take a does Tennessee take one? Does does uh does Atlanta move up and take one? Does Tampa take one? Oh, okay. Okay, you got me thinking. Like that's now. that's where you're at. So the five and a half number on Caesars, I don't love. I've seen it elsewhere at six and a half. It just just changed, I think, uh, this morning. We moved to like six and a half. So shop around. Corey Levens Corey Levenworth tweeted it out. I think he moved to six and a half on a different sports book. So if you can get six and a half at good odds to take the under, I would take the under on six and a half. But the five and a half, I take the over. But with the juice that they're laying right now, I think it's a, what minus three fifty on Caesars. Yeah, yes. That's pukey. Yes, minus that's pukey. Yeah, because that's I think it, I think it's going to be over five and a half. But you're still going to have that question: What if it's just five? Then you're like shit out of luck because you're betting on Dotson, you're betting on Watson, you're betting on Pickens. And I'm not 100% any of those guys. I think Dotson's, a, I think Dotson's a damn near lock, but I'm I'm not, you know. Let's let's look at his odds. Let's look at the Dotson odds for what his projected pick is. Uh, I saw those. Oh on yeah. There. Okay. So over under set at 32 and a half. 
overs. There you go. See, there you go. That's that's your five and a half. Fuck, that's, that's the guy. That is the guy. So if you if you're thinking it's gonna be over, you take the under minus four fifty uh, minus one forty five to go in that first round. Then right, I mean because he would be the fifth. He'd be your sixth receiver off the board or your fifth receiver off the board, right? Correct. And the positive thing I've always had through this whole process is we talked about Dotson going to the Senior Bowl, right? Is he going to go? Round one, we thought it was a maybe. Then he does not show up to the Senior Bowl, which told us what? He heard positive things. And if he heard positive things at the Senior Bowl, he ran solid, didn't run great at the Combine. Maybe he knows, hey, if I just sandbag through here and don't try to jump over an Olave, jump over a Jamison, I'm going to fall right into the Kansas City Chiefs lap. Looking at other draft positions here too, I mean, just above him, on Caesar Sportsbook too, Jameson Williams, eleven and a half. Are you touching that? Over under set at eleven and a half, minus one eighty on the over, plus one fifty on the under. Are you are you thinking some team's gonna fall in love with this guy uh, to be drafted within the within the top eleven? Breaking news: The Arizona Cardinals think Jameson Williams is a superstar talent. So there's another one that we didn't even mention. <laughs> <is Arizona. laughs> And now, what if Arizona trades up? I mean, you're eleven and a half is a high number, though. Eleven and a half, like I like I said a second ago, I think the floor on Jamison was the the Saints pick, but I also said I think Jamison could be the first guy at the board, which would be like a top five guy. Arizona trading up from twenty three, it would take a substantial amount of ammo to move up from twenty three to get into you know, six with Carolina. But when you jump to six, then you still have to worry about the Jets at four. You still have to worry about, hypothetically, Houston at three. Atlanta at eight feels like the team that they're trying to jump. I think that's the sneaky receiver lane spot. If Arizona could somehow jump up to six, uh, wow. Could you imagine they jump up to six and take Jamison? That'd be, that'd be nuts. That would be crazy. That'd be like Jalen Waddle. That's where Jalen Waddle went last year. Didn't he go off six? Well, think about it. You wouldn't know a quarterback. You'd have Jamison Williams and, and DeAndre Hopkins. Who do they take a good quarterback then in that first round? Because Kyler's not coming back. Kyler, they're going to trade. We're not going to go down this rabbit hole. Let's go down it for 10 seconds, though. <laughs> I get you. I get you every time. Just throw, throw the bait. Trade Carolina. Trade Kyler to Carolina. Get the sixth pick. And next year's first, boom, take Jamison at six and start Chris Strevler at quarterback. Is that – okay, so I know we talked about that as like a like a random thought that we had a couple shows back. Is that being discussed seriously into existence that that, that Kyler's being traded or are they, or are they for sure going to like re-sign him? I don't think he's going to get traded. Um, I like my – 256th pick in my seven-round mock draft, though, to Arizona. T- tell me what you think about this one. Pick number 256, so six picks from the end. Derek King, quarterback, Miami, goes to Arizona. <laughs> upon Spicy, upon huh? stepping off the plane, tears every tendon in his entire lower half of his body. Whoa, whoa. That's every Take other him to year. The str- <laughs> he last year. He'll, he, <laughs> he last this year. Okay. Okay, so over under <laughs> then uh, three and a half wins for the the Arizona Cardinals this year with Derek King under center, if that's the case. Um, 
Okay, so here's the thing, though, right? Here's where let's as we transition from looking at some of these props for the draft season to going and looking at some of the fantasy ADP movers, right? Well, I thought you want to talk about Kevin Austin being the first receiver draft. No, I wanted to <laughs> plus ten thousand. I, I thought we were going to. Th- I thought we were going to discuss that. Dark. Daddy needs. Daddy needs a new pair of shoes. Um, <laughs> Malik Willis. Malik Willis, right? Consensus right now, what second pick off the board and super flex rookie mocks, right? Would you say pretty, pretty holding pretty steady here? Um, and for me, who only watches the highlights some of the ESPN shows or CBS shows and stuff like that, right? I'm here, Malik Willis, top ten pick. Malik Willis, top ten pick. Caesars has him. His over under set at nine and a half. And the under is plus 130. Is there, I mean, if, is there a chance he goes before pick, pick nine? Oh, before? I thought you were going to go after. No, he's not falling out of the top 10. I've, I've said this since the Liberty Pro Day. I don't think he's falling out of the top 10. You have Seattle there at nine, which still qualifies as inside nine and a half. Atlanta's at eight, still qualifies. Carolina's at six, still qualifies. You get the number two pick, which I think was I think there's a real possibility somebody trades up to the two pick, somebody trades up to four, somebody trades up to five. I think somebody moves in uh rather than him falling out. I think the and in the odds tell you that even what Vegas thinks about the quarterback situation. Willis minus one thirty, Pickett plus one thirty, and then a big drop to Desmond Ruder at plus one thousand, and exactly what we discussed with Matt Corral, plus twenty five hundred. And even the process of thinking Matt Corral would be the first quarterback taken, which I do have Corral going to Carolina at 15 in my last mock, fourth best odds plus 2,500. That's like Kenny Pickett going to the Eagles. That's the same odds. And we don't think Kenny Pickett's going to the Eagles, so Matt Corral's not going to be the first quarterback drafted. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Do I think Matt, Malik Willis goes nine top nine and a half? I think that's a slam. Dunk. Yeah. I think giving me nine and a half – with Seattle at nine, I'm taking that every day of the week, twice on Sunday, four times on Monday. Under plus one thirty, smash it. Cody Carpenter approved. Smash. Certified, smash not dog it. water. Certified, might be dog water, but definitely not an athlete. <laughs> I I like Malik Willis, and like you said, the the ADP there, he's held steady. He's held steady for this quarterback crew, and, and even if you look back to November. Malik was still getting that that prop. He was still getting he you know minimum min max you're looking at on player profiler 101. He was getting drafted, but he also fell to 203 at times over the last process. And he's he's pulled himself all the way up to almost equate Brees Hall. Brees Hall 1.2 ADP, Malik Willis 1.8. So I think it's a foregone conclusion. He's the first quarterback taken. I think at this point in time we're just praying that it's not. A terrible landing spot, you know. I think Atlanta or Seattle would be fine. Carolina thing is, I don't know. I'm, I'm Carolina thing really, really bums me out. To be honest with you, the whole yeah. everything to do with Carolina really bums me out. Yeah. It, so what? When you look at the ADPs for Superflex rookie mocks, looking at November, we got the November ADPs up here. We got the April ADPs up here. Rookie Superflex mocks per playerprofiler.com. Go check them out, how it's changed over the last few months. 
who's a guy that you think was going who's a guy that you think now is a value of where they're being taken compared to where they were being taken in November? So maybe someone that's fallen, um, you know, since November to a spot where you're like, I, I have to take them now because they've fallen far enough. I think that's a good question. I, I'll give I'll give one that I that I really like here, uh, while while I filibuster for you as you as you think through this. Um, so I think for me, one of the guys I'm seeing here is gotta be uh, like David Bell. I mean, yep. we've heard nonstop that David Bell. I mean, he. No, this is from November. Um, we'll get the first up here. No, at November, uh, he's going off the board at the 106, and at the max, he's going off at the 212. So end of the second round here. And now in April, I'm scrolling down, scrolling down. Got to move over a little bit. Now he's going off the board. His first, his earliest is going off the board is the 201. So from the 106 to the 201. As a drop here, I think David Bell is my my value pick here. Um, based on everything that I hear people like you talk about, Cody, that there's there's really been no one's given a flying a flying hoot about his his lack of athleticism and his workout metrics at the combine. I don't think. What do you think about the Indianapolis landing spot early round three with David Bell? That's where I put him, and I loved that spot, and the connection was there, and they needed a receiver. They talked about. Chris Ballard did at the combine. Uh, you know, we need to see more out of Doolin, Strawn, Pascal's gone. Campbell obviously just hasn't been able to stay healthy. They still um, trust Paris Campbell, but it's really just Michael Pittman there. And if you bring in a guy like David Bell, who's averaged in 29 games, 2,900 yards at Purdue, over 100 yards per game over his entire career. The 4.6 is not a 4.9. The 4.6 we've seen equate to the NFL success. He's 205 pounds. He can win in all quadrants. And I think that's a very good selection right there with David Bell. I think David Bell is going to be a guy that I draft early and often in rookie drafts just because of the value that's that's getting given to you because of the, the rise of even these other receivers like Watson and Sky Moore, who I love Sky Moore. I still love Sky Moore. Uh, his ADP's kind of been the inverse. It's it's grown quite a bit um, since these early early stuff. But I guess the guy that's a value right now that I would point to, um, probably John Mechie. Probably John Mechie, thanks to his injury. Uh, we haven't discussed John Mechie a ton uh, over this whole process, but going all the way up to like the 204 in drafts uh, has fallen all the way down to like the 311 area. I like John Mechie in the late part of the third. Like, there's a lot of running backs in that situation that you could look at, like a Pierre Strong, Tyler Algiers going off in that area. I like those running backs. I think Damian Pierce might be gone by the time you get to the mid-late third, depending on who you're drafting against. I think John Mechie's a fine dart to throw in the late third round in rookie drafts especially. I think he can excel, uh, kind of just what we discussed with David Bell. I think he can excel in the NFL. I think he's kind of a – it's funny how it's turned into like a, a – not a cheaper Jalen Tolbert, but like a it feels like a knockoff Jalen Tolbert because of how we feel about Jalen Tolbert in comparison. Mechie can win thousand yards at Alabama. Uh, he's not going to be anything special like like a Calvin Ridley, Devonta Smith, Julio type out of Alabama. He's going to be requisite. But that's you know John Mechie, David Bell, both guys uh, you know didn't really do a lot through this entire process. Those are good values. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I agree with you there, John Mechie. Injury helping him out a little bit here. 
Um, and I think this is kind of to your point. You mentioned it earlier, right? Like, there's a lot of guys, even in the the NFL draft ADP changes changes where they didn't do a whole lot to move up. It was just that the floor fell out beneath everyone else around them, right? Like you said, Spencer Rattler going back. Um, I'm looking at some of the guys that, that people were taking off the board back in mock drafts in November, right? Guys like um, like Zach Charbonnet going back to college, right? Jaden Daniels going back to college. Uh, Jaleel Billingsley, you know, like guys like that that were taking off the board pretty early ahead of like James Cook, ahead of Trey McBride, ahead of Christian Watson, right? Even ahead of like Kevin Harris too. I mean, just dudes that we were taking that have no shot of, of being drafted now because obviously they're not in the draft. So, um, Charbonneau was an interesting one, seeing him all the way up 205. Kyron Williams obviously clipping into that 110 area. I can't, like, throw back to that. Like, Jaden Daniels now is kind of in that similar situation to Rattler where he's transferred now. And we were in our Campus to Canton League drafting, and Jaden Daniels is a guy that I looked at. And when I was doing a little bit of research, I was like, he might not even start. It's the same thing with DJ uh, ukulele, like, he might not even start. What do we – and I I like Jaden Daniels, but, again, he's on the slimmer side as well. He's a, kind of a taller, lanky version of, of Bryce Young with not as best of an arm. And Billingsley, like you mentioned, another interesting one that I don't even know if he's ever going to be a thing. He seems like he's the Weidemeyer uh, of the next couple classes. It's it's just overall interesting to look at the, the, the change, obviously the guys that have fallen out. Uh, I did want to ask you one question. I know maybe you don't jump into the mock draft circles very hard, very much. Um, but this Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker talk, have you read any of this on Twitter? Have you seen um, or or listened to any podcasts about uh, the last week regarding Trayvon Walker becoming the number one overall pick? Have you heard this a little bit? I've heard, I've heard it. Uh, where did I hear it from? Might, There's a couple different podcasts that talked about it. Yeah, maybe someone brought up on Twitter. I don't I heard about it from someone. Someone had mentioned it. And it came across my timeline. Trayvon Walker just I feel like descended like from out of the clouds because it had always it had always been it was Kayvon Thibodeau for the longest time. Then it was Aiden Hutchinson. Then it was back to Kayvon Thibodeau. You know he's being disrespected. He should be taken first off. But then it was you know Aiden Hutchinson doing the bench press and cleats on an astroturf. The Fugazi bench. The Fugazi bench. Aiden Hutchinson Fugazi bench. Title of the show. Um, but, like, yeah, Trayvon Walker coming out of no. I mean, what's the rationale behind that? Can you explain that a little bit? I, I want to talk about Hutchinson, Walker, and Thibodeau before we get out of here. And, and we'll start out with that, which you just said about, about Walker and, and Hutchinson. Walker jumped into the top ten, I would say, right after the combine, thanks to his, his freak athleticism running the four fives. Kind of all these Georgia guys uh, did great. The problem I have with Trayvon Walker going number one as the, you know, now becoming like a consensus conversation and seeing his ADP rise, everyone's pointing to Trent Belke being this, you know, he's an idiot. I get that. Trent Belke's an idiot. But they're like, Trent Belke drafted Alden Smith, so therefore Trent Belke's going to draft Trayvon Walker. That's been the entire thesis. Lance Zierlein and Brugler and maybe one other person said they had a source 
Zero Line laid it out best, which really pointed me to what's my favorite word? Fugazi. Fugazi. Because he said, I heard something three weeks ago that I heard now somebody else repeated it to me that I had never told them. So it'd be like me telling you apples taste like oranges. And that's like my, my opinion. And then, you know, Bob tells you that apples taste like oranges, but only you and me know that this conversation happened. Right. So now it's, it's essentially like one person from Jacksonville coming out and telling everybody the same smokescreen story to get them to trade up. Does that make sense? And that's how I perceived that to be because it's the same story, the same process, the same everything. And it's came out from like four different sources and Zerline told on himself by saying that. That's why I think it's still Aiden Hutchinson number one. I'm going to keep him number one this entire process. When I update next Wednesday night for my final version of round one, Aiden Hutchinson will be number one. Will be. That's a guarantee right now. I don't care what happens between now and then. I think Aiden Hutchinson goes number one because Brentson Buckner, the defensive line coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars, has spent seasons with Arizona, the Raiders, Tampa Bay, Mm -hmm. and the three defensive ends that he's had in that process. Chandler Jones. Max Crosby and Jason Pierre-Paul, those are all guys that profiled the same way as Aiden Hutchinson. Two-point stance rushers, edge rushers, uh, and I think that is the approach that Hutchinson has conversated and said uh, that he wants to play in the NFL. We've also seen Hutchinson come out and talk about um, everything that he's heard has pointed to him being number one. Um, There's people from Michigan that have also said that everything that kind of has encountered with Jacksonville has been him being number one. Do I think, obviously we've talked about, do I think Evan Neal should be the guy? Yes, I do. Do I think Thibodeau should be ahead of Hutchinson? Yes, I do. But again, we're talking about looking for the correct things and following the correct dots. I'm not falling for this Trayvon Walker thing. Aiden Hutchinson to Jacksonville Jaguars, number one, because of the Brenton Buckner, Max Crosby corollary. That was, that was, uh, that was well said, but that was kind of mean, dude. Um, you know, you said Jason Pierre-Paul in, in a two-point stance. I mean, he can't do three-point stance. That was that was kind of rude. Um, I'm sorry to listeners for that. That was my co-host is insensitive to people who like fireworks. <laughs> all, right, all, right, all, right. all right, all right, all right, all right. I got to get this Kayvon Thibodeau thing Go off ahead. as well because from day one we've talked about Kayvon Thibodeau being uh, my favorite prospect in here there's been mad mad movement over the last 12 hours regarding Kayvon Thibodeau Um, some of his odds have moved from being the number two pick in the draft from plus 275 yesterday to plus 150 on some books Um, 31 percent of bets have been on Kayvon Thibodeau to be the number two pick Um, these these are provided by DraftKings Sportsbook the number two overall pick Thibodeau, 31%. Malik Willis, 22%. Trayvon Walker, 17% of the money has been on, or of the bets have been on. Kayvon Thibodeau will be that number two pick. The odds have changed since the 18th, which was Monday. They were Kayvon Thibodeau plus 400. They're now Kayvon Thibodeau plus 130 at FanDuel. The odds there changed. Walker, 250 to plus 400. So Walker's falling down a little bit. Hutchinson, was plus 200 now he's plus 125 that's because hutchinson's like i said locked to be the number one pick so now it's moving more towards Thibodeau being number two but the weird thing i've read about that is that there has not been a lot of positive thoughts coming out out of detroit regarding Thibodeau. would somebody trade up to two to take Thibodeau? i don't know i i just 
I'm not sure Detroit takes that. I'm not sure Detroit makes that pick. And I talked about it last week uh, in Mach 5-0 with Seattle moving up because Brad Holmes uh, was with Les Snead for, you know, eight out of 16 seasons with the Rams. And like I've repeated, Snead's first year with the Rams. What did he do? He traded for number two down with the Redskins and for the, for the RG3 trade. And he, he recouped all these picks, and that's really what really helped set up the Rams for now 10 years later winning the, the Super Bowl. Brad Holmes comes in and gets number two pick. There's not really a clear-cut guy to take there. If he can come back five, six spots, I think he's going to do it. He should do it. He will do it. But I just thought the Thibodeau numbers were very interesting because obviously we've seen a lot of conversation about him falling, falling, falling. And and even me, I fell for it. You know, I've been like one of the biggest Kayvon Thibodeau advocates, but I had him falling to 10, 11, 12 in my last mock. And that was that was mock five oh. This last mock I have him going four to the Jets. Okay. And I don't think he gets past four. I don't think he goes past four. Because I bet I'm mad I'm really pissed at, because every mock up until five oh. One, two, three, four, I had him up in the in the top six picks. Mm-hmm. And then five oh I was like, God damn it, I really didn't want to do this, but I bit for it because it was just so negative. There was nothing positive coming out about Thibodeau. And he's moved up though. I got him back up to number four where he belongs. Uh, I think he belongs at one. Obviously, we talked about that one. But do you have a do you have a well tie, tying it back to just some of the picks, the prop backs, right? So like Kevon Thibodeau draft position, it's five and a half right now. There's not a lot of value taking the under, right? I mean, under is minus two sixty. The over is plus two ten. I mean, you're not going to take the over because, like you said, in in all but one mock draft, or you know, a two, I guess technically he's not making it out of the first four picks. I mean, because you'd have to, with that, you'd have to assume, right, that, that there's smoke or there's fire to the smoke that you're hearing, right, But Trayvon Walker? Do you, know I think, do you know what I think a sneaky one is with the, with the Trayvon Walker thing? What? Trayvon, Trayvon Walker's at three and a half right now, and it's juiced up to plus 230 to go over. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's how, that's the next one I was about to drop on you. It was like, yeah, it was Trayvon Walker over, two, over three and a half. I'm, I'm hammering that because... I think Houston goes offensive line. And if they don't, they go edge. And I don't think the edge guy they're going to go after is Walker. I think it'd be Thibodeau. Detroit, like I said, I don't think they're going to go Walker. Three and a half for Walker, plus 230. I wouldn't hammer it, but I'd hit it. I mean, because in order for him to hit the under there, right? So let's say he's, he's that means he's going at pick one, two, one, one, two or three. He's not going at one, right? Because Aiden Hutchinson is is going there. I mean, or Thibodeau, or either Evan Neal or Ken Aquanu, right? Then you take either uh, the next offensive lineman, the best offensive lineman, or the next best edge rusher, and then Walker comes into the picture. But I mean, with him jumping up out of literally out of nowhere, like I. I don't know. It's all of I think it's a smash. I think it's a smash. I think it's a smash. Plus two thirty over three and a half. I don't think he. I think he. I agree with you, man. I think the other guys go before him. Um. Yeah, I think that's a huge, huge play there. Huge play. I compare Walker to Ezekiel Ansah. Remember him? Yes, I do remember him. Detroit made that pick. So our two our two locks today are 
For prop bets here for the draft, you're going to be Malik Willis under 9.5 at plus 130. And Trayvon Walker over 3.5 plus 230. And I'm sprinkling Zamir White. And I'm sp- I'm going to sp- very lightly sprinkle Zamir White. First running back taken. And I'm going to cu- put a couple more dollars on Spiller. Probably like a $5, $10 bet. Nothing too heavy. But a five ten dollar bet on a plus nine hundred for Isaiah Spiller first running back off the board. Shout out Adam Beebe. Just join the Underworld Army. Be sure to do that. If you're over on YouTube right now, click that like button, click that subscribe button, join the Underworld Army. We're trying to grow this thing up, and then we're gonna start adding some incentives for everybody. Right now, we got some emojis, bitmojis. When you comment, if you ask a question or something like that during a stream, and you're a member, we'll answer the question. Hands down every single time. So shout out Adam Beebe. Shout out everyone in the chat. I liked I liked the, the Charles Cross at five to the Giants. I, I liked that one. Uh, he's plus 700 to go five to the Giants. I think a lot of the connections we've seen from there, uh, the Giants obviously look at the offensive line in this class. They're going to have to take a tackle somewhere. Carolina's at six. They need a tackle. The New York Giants had Charles Cross work out on both sides of the offensive line uh, at his pro day. The Giants specifically did that. They had him off to the side of their pro day. I think Cross fits the Giants scheme. And when you think about and sometimes it sounds stupid, but sometimes when you're going through some of these things where it's a really a coin flip on, on, on who's going to take them. And if two guys look like really closely the same, like Penning, Penning to me doesn't look like a New York Giant. But Charles Cross does. And when you imagine Charles Cross as a Giant or in a Giant jersey, it makes a lot more sense. So I, I think I would take uh, Charles Cross. I'd sprinkle that at plus 700 to go fifth overall. Ooh. The other one I wanted to hit on was um, was Sauce, our boy Sauce. Mm-hmm. Five and a half is the number, though. Damn. I have him, I literally have Philadelphia trading up to six to get him. <laughs> so that would, make it, that would make him go over, and that's plus 100. So I'm not going to hit that. I think Kyle Hamilton will hit that one over quick. Uh, I think Kyle Hamilton does fall out of the top 10. That's minus 125 to fall out of the top 10. Kenny Pickett falls out of the top 10, uh, minus 190. I think he hit that as well. Stingley, I don't really want to touch his 9.5 number. We talked about the first quarterback off the board. Mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett, um, just for just for records, let, let's pick a team for, for Kenny Pickett here. Carolina plus 150, New York or New Orleans plus 250, Pittsburgh plus 400, Seattle plus 500, Atlanta plus 500 are the top five favorites. Do you have a team here for for Kenny Pickett to fall to? This is we'll just do a one we'll just do a head up one v one kind of situation for a couple of these guys and then we'll get out of here. Pick a spot for Kenny Pickett. Where's he land? <sighs> okay, I'm taking Atlanta plus 500. Atlanta plus 500, Seattle plus 500, Pittsburgh plus 400. Mm. Okay. Yep. I'm going to I'm going to say fuck, fuck it. We'll do it live. Tennessee Titans plus 1500. Ooh. Small hands. Tennessee Titans plus 15- so he's going with his comparable. He's going to team a, team up with his comparable, Ryan Tannehill. He's, he's handing the ball off a billion times to his, his small hands and to that monster, Derrick Henry. All right, Malik Willis. Ooh, where'd it go? Malik Willis. 
Carolina plus 300, Atlanta plus 350, Pittsburgh plus 350, Detroit plus 350, Seattle plus 400, New Orleans plus 650 are the top ones. I'm going Seattle. I'm sticking with Seattle for me. I was going to say, sell me on anybody but Pittsburgh. I feel like you've, you've sold me on Pittsburgh where I can't see him going anywhere but Pittsburgh, right? I mean, that's that's just what I've been conditioned to think that he's going to he's going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. That's where I want him to go. I mean, is there is there is there another realistic place that he go? I mean, Seattle, Seattle. That's why I pick Seattle. I, I think Seattle's the team in the top ten that takes him. I think Atlanta's still an option. I don't think they should do it, but I think it's still an option. We're okay. Back to the first quarterback drafted here, real quick. Yep. I gotta ask it, my boy. There's no way my my boy goes first quarterback drafted, right? At plus three thousand. There's no way, right? Cole Johnson. <laughs> no, no. Bailey Zappi. Yeah, no, no. I <laughs> did, dude, dude. I would die. There's no way. There's no way. Samuel. They actually put those odds out. Samuel plus three thousand. There's no way Samuel goes off the board first, right? Sammy Howell. There's no. Does there if if there exists if this is like, like Avengers Endgame where there's one scenario where it happens I'm gonna I'm gonna sprinkle some on that because, plus three thousand is crazy, and I'm crazy, but he's the best talent, and the most surefire guy on this list of guys here with the most consistent resume. Is Agreed. is that crazy though? Plus three thousand. Yeah. Are the Cardinals gonna win the Super Bowl? That's the same odds. I can't back. My, I can't we, back we, myself we to that circled, corner. <laughs> we circled it. We circled it right back to Kyler Murray and and we circled it right back to Kyler Murray less, less Arizona Cardinals. Okay. No, I I think they're honestly for a while I did think Sam Howell uh, even though like the last few months I thought there was an, a good chance Sam Howell could be the first quarterback drafted, and even all this stuff with Carolina could all be smoke screens. It could still be Sam Howell. Like I said, since November it's been between Sam Howell and Matt Corral. We had the picket situation. They looked at his hands and all this stuff. It's pro day. I still think it's between Howell and Corral for Carolina to be their quarterback, whether they do it in round one or trade back and something happens and they end up with Howell. I still believe in Howell. I'm on the same boat with you. I've been on the Howell train since day one. Uh, Howell and Willis uh, entering the year was my number one and two. So plus 3,000 is actually a good number to sprinkle, to be honest with you. Like, I. I'm not gonna bet a lot, but I'm gonna I'll put I'll, I'll put a couple of dollars on 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 Sam Howell to be the first quarterback, just because I still think there's connections there with Carolina. I think that's all of them. I think we hit I think we hit we hit nearly all of them. So Cody, take us out on this. We are we are we do talk college football on here, right? It's something we do. We talk a lot of college football on here. I got Caesars up right now. I got lines for week zero. College football? College football lines for week zero. I know we could be here for hours and hours and hours. But two guys we mentioned already today playing in the backyard bash or whatever the hell it's called. Give the people who's going to cover the spread. We got West Virginia playing at Pittsburgh. The line is West Virginia Mountaineers plus seven and a half. Give the people... Is it Keaton Slovis or JT Daniels coming out on top? We got the Trojan Bowl. Mm-hmm. 
The Backyard Trojan Bowl. Bring your condoms, baby. Keaton Slovis. We said the same thing about Tate Martell. Oh my God. We said the same thing about Tate Martell. I'm just, I'm just, it's the meme of the, it's the meme of the Drewski going like this. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, we saw Tate, we saw, we could Quinn Ewers be the next Tate Martell? It's, it's gotta be said. Someone needs to say it into existence because Quinn Ewers has made millions of dollars already, supposedly off the NAL deals from Ohio State before transferring and he hasn't played it down in football yet. He don't need to, bro. He's Kyrie Irving of football. Someone else that we knew didn't play down in football, got all the notoriety in the world. And before he retired from football permanently, had two years of eligibility left after, after being in college for like 15 years. So I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Could Quinn Ebers be the next Tate Martell? I'm just saying.